Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity we have to be here. Thank you for the opportunity we have to hear your word. I pray that your word will touch and impact each one of us and that we'll not just be hearers of it, but we will be doers of this word in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed with me said. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I want to continue today in our series, Legacy 2022, Deeper Impact. So as most of you would know, because you've been here and tracking along, but we have some first-time guests, which again, awesome. Thank you for being with us. Or maybe you've kind of joined, you know, you've been here sporadically, but you're back and we're so glad you're here. Uh, make sure you get to the connect table and get your, get your gift from us afterwards if you're a first-time guest. But we're, we're kind of combining several things in this series. So first and foremost, our theme this year is Deeper. And that's just really the word that God gave us for this year on so many different layers and so many different ways God is calling us deeper. Somebody say deeper. So we're going deeper. And then we're also combining that with every May we do something called Legacy. And this is a series where we really take time to focus on what God is building here at Toronto City Church. A legacy is something tangible that is built that is passed from one generation to another. And so we really take time during this part of the year to focus on what is God doing here? What is God building? Really dreaming together, casting vision, kind of stretching our perspective, stretching our imagination of what does God want to do, not just in our lives personally, even though that's very important, and I love to preach and talk about that, but what does God want to do through us corporately? What is God stirring us, and what are we building what are we building together? And so we take this time, obviously, as a, a real powerful opportunity to, you know, to grow our perspective and our unity of where we're going. But then we also have our legacy offering. And so this is going to be coming up on Sunday, June the 5th. Now, I want to make sure I emphasize that because one of our amazing members pulled me aside after uh, first service. She said, Pastor, you keep saying June 6th. She said, June 6th is a Monday. Is the offering on a Monday? I'm like, no, we're doing it on this Sunday. She's like, okay, you emailed June 6th. You keep saying June 6th. And so it's June 5th. Everybody say June 5th. I will make sure June 5th is now burned into my mind. I mean, if you want to give on June 6th, you can do it. You know, online, everything's the opportunities. But it's on June the 5th. And this offering is an opportunity to really give towards different uh, either capital projects or things that we're doing to keep moving the church forward. And so I'm so thankful for the regular ongoing giving that so many people in this church do. And that's real important. It helps us to continue to function on a regular basis. The opportunity we have in offerings like this is to look at different areas of either our physical structures, our infrastructures. How can we kind of leap forward and really advance things outside of our week-to-week budget? So there's some real good opportunities there. We're going to, we just encourage everybody, I say this every time, especially for maybe some newer faces, I am not doing this month as kind of like a fundraiser, trying to pressure people to give, trying to pressure you to give. Just pray, do what God puts in your heart to do. That's all we're asking. Pray and ask God, God, what can I give? What would you want me to do? There's an opportunity to give a regular offering at the time or to make a pledge that can go over the next several months. But what we're going to do is there's some practical projects we want to focus on. We have a board meeting this Tuesday. We're going to finalize those, and then I'm going to email you as a church and let you know these are the things. And we'll talk about over the next couple weeks because we've still got three weeks till the offering. So 
It's kind of this month where we're saying, let's, let's dream, let's talk about vision, let's talk about where God's taking us, and then let's have some opportunity to sow into that. And so that's what we're going to look at, but I did want to make sure I just mentioned to you today that some of the practical details will be coming out to you very soon, because, uh, I mean, God's blessed us with this beautiful property, he's blessed us with these facilities, he's blessed us, you know, we're growing, there's a lot of good things that are happening, but we want to invest. And you know, one of the things that I just want to encourage you, because I was thinking about it and just meditating on it recently, even what we have right now. You know, by next year, Toronto City Church will be celebrating its 35th anniversary. And so by next year, we'll be at 35 years. And so even where we are now, the building we're in, right? The, the, those nice padded seats that you're sitting on right now. The air conditioning that we're enjoying at this moment, because I know our condo building where we live shut off the heat and didn't put the AC on yet. They're like, we're going to put the AC on on Tuesday. But my complaint is it's cold right now. I mean, it's hot right now. It was so hot last night, Pastor Jaron, we're trying to sleep. And it's just like, you know, so the AC we're enjoying, everything that we have right now was because somebody somewhere along the way said, you know what, I'm I'm going to give to help build what God's doing here. And I'm not even just talking about physical. I'm not talking just about the physical building. I'm talking about the spiritual infrastructure. I'm talking about the spiritual heritage. But I always try and keep that in mind, that I'm able to enjoy what I enjoy on a week-to-week basis here. We're able to enjoy because people, many of them sitting here in these chairs, because we have people who have been here for many years, made that sacrificial commitment to give to help move things forward right? To build something. It's all about legacy. And so I want to encourage you, let the Lord stir your heart about being part of legacy. And that Toronto City Church is not our church. It's Jesus' church. It's bigger than any one of us. And we are stewarding a legacy even for those that are to come. Amen? And so this is the focus on legacy. But I want you to go with me to Matthew 16, 18. Now, I'm going to talk to you about some things today I don't think I've ever preached about before from the pulpit. I've probably talked about in class environments or small group environments. So I'm excited to dig into it. But I want to let you know right now, today I am planning to stretch you. So sometimes I bring a real simple message. I just say, okay, it's going to be real simple. Today, we're, going to, we're, we're talking about deeper this year. I want to take you deeper in some things. So I just want you to kind of get yourself set, but I got a lot of ground I want to cover, and there was so much in my heart to share. I was trying to trim it down, and then part of it, I thought, you know what, let me just put in my notes. I'll just start preaching. I'll see when my clock runs out. We'll just see how far we can go. But I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 16, 18. And Matthew 16, 18, it's the verse we started with a couple weeks ago, says this. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Everybody say, build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, if you've been tracking with us for the last few weeks, again, if this is your first time, you can go online on YouTube, you can go on to our podcast, you can always catch up on messages, they're there for free. But two weeks ago, we started this series off, and I really focused on the element of building. And we focused on this word build. And we talked about being builders and God's heart for us to not just be consumers, but to really build and to build what he is doing. And so we spent some time there. And then last week, Pastor Sharon on Mother's Day brought an amazing message talking about a heart for the next generation. 
And again, if legacy is building something that's not just for you, but for generations. And so she talked about a heart for a generation. If you missed it, it was dynamite. I really want to encourage you to go and make sure you catch up on that message. Today, I want to start with this same verse, but I want to focus on the word church. Everybody say church. Because Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. So we've talked about being builders, but how many of you know it's one thing to be a builder, but you want to make sure you're building the right thing? And how many of you want to know you're building that thing in the right way? So it's important that we catch the heart of builders, but then we also understand what Jesus is building and that we can join him in what he's building. And he said, I'm going to build my church. Everybody say, build my church. When you hear the word church, what do you think of? Because words always create pictures for us. When I say the word church, you don't see C-H-U-R-C-H. Right? You see a picture of something. And so I want to spend some time today digging a bit more into what's this picture we see when we say church. Because if Jesus says, I'm building my church, but if I have the wrong picture of church then I'm not even going to connect to what he wants to build. So what is church? Well, some people, when they hear church, they think of a building, right? So we're going to church today. And in their mind, they're thinking, I am going to the building at 36 Curity Avenue where we meet. That's what some people think. We're going to go in, we're going to sit in a service. I've gone to church. Now, I'm not against using that kind of language because it fits very well within our culture. So don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying you should never say you're going to church again or going to the building, but I want to expand our perspective today. So some people hear building, but Jesus was talking about something so much deeper than a building because he wasn't just saying, I'm going to build buildings. Other people think when they hear church, they think of a service, right? So we had, we, you know, we had church today. Right? So, so we'll talk about it. We had church and our picture is gathering together. Now, that's not too far off, but again, it minimizes what Jesus is after. Other people, when they hear church, they think of an organization. So they think of, you know, Toronto City Church. It's a registered charity uh, with the government of Canada. It's an organization. We're incorporated. We have a bank account. We have this, we have that. And so we think of organization. I want you to know today that when Jesus said, I'll build my church, he was not just talking about buildings. He was not just talking about services. And he was not just talking about organizations. Now, the church can have a building, or maybe not. I'm believing for more churches in Toronto to get buildings. I'm believing for more churches to get land. I'm thankful for what God has blessed us with here. And I'm believing to see more and more churches get a building. But the church is not a building. The church will have a building. Furthermore, I'm thankful that we can gather as a church in service and worship and coming together. But this is not, the service is something we do together. It is not what the totality of what church is. I'm thankful for the organization. I believe in good organization. I believe in good structures. We've got instructions, uh, structures, excuse me. We've got a great board of directors here. And we've got great systems that we have in place. But I want you to know today that when Jesus said church, he was talking about something that involved those things, but was so much deeper. What was he talking about when he said church? Well, to understand this, and so I'm going to start stretching you guys a little bit more today. We're going deeper. The original word that he used was the word ecclesia. Everybody say ecclesia. 
When I say original word, I'm talking about the original language because Jesus didn't speak English. And so the Bible that we have have been faithfully translated, the New Testament, from the Greek language. So the word he used was ecclesia, which is the word that we have now translated to English, which is church. But what does this word ecclesia mean? Because when we understand what an ecclesia was, then we would understand more what Jesus was talking about. Very simply, an ecclesia means where at least two or three people are gathered together in the name of Jesus. So a church is not a building, not a service, not an organization. A church is people who've been called out and gathered together in the name of Jesus. Now there's much that we could park with there, but I want to push it a little bit deeper because what is the purpose or the point of these people gathering together? The word ecclesia actually tells us that. What is it talking about? Well, let me give you a little bit of a history lesson. Jesus' time when he was speaking these words, he was in Judea, he was in Israel, but they were being ruled by the Roman Empire. So I'm sure most of us would be, have at least some f- familiarity with this. Now, it's very interesting because to understand what Jesus was talking about, you have to understand how the Roman Empire would operate because he's actually drawing not on a spiritual word with ecclesia, but he's actually drawing on a system or a, a, almost a political word in some regards. Let me explain what I mean. Rome would go and they had conquered much of the known world at this time. They had outstanding systems in their armies and kind of in their culture. But what Rome would do is they'd go into an area, they would conquer that area. And while there would obviously be, you know, acts of war, destruction, things that happen if they conquer somewhere, their goal was not to destroy the country that they took over. Their goal was actually to incorporate that country, that city, that region into their empire. So what they do is they would move in, they would deal with any initial resistance, but then what they would do is their goal would be to get you, so let's say you were in this area that Rome came in. They deal with any initial incident, but then their goal would be to get you to buy into the Roman way of life. They had a system of law. They had a system of economics. They had a system of government. They actually excuse me, stayed quite open to to different religions as long as you'd swear allegiance to Caesar, which there's a whole interesting biblical dynamic in that. But their goal was actually to get you to buy into and to understand and to receive the benefits of Rome. Uh, they, they were great architecture. They, they built roadways. They built, you know, their massive public service projects. They would do all these things to make people's lives better. Because what they realized, if you just came in and constantly were putting people down, they'd always be revolting against you. But their goal was to come in and take over, but then to bring the, I'll say it this way, the kingdom of Rome into that area, and then you could begin to experience the benefits of the kingdom of Rome. You would experience the economics, you'd experience the finance, you'd experience all the things that they had to offer. That's why, do you guys remember in the book of Acts with the apostle Paul, Do you remember where there'd be different times where we'd talk about him being a Roman citizen? Some of you maybe wouldn't remember when they were going to go whip him that one time? And he looked at the the soldier and he said, is it lawful for you to beat a Roman citizen without first? And the guy like freaked out, went and told his boss and they came in. Why? Because you could become a Roman citizen even if you were from one of these nations. And when you became a Roman citizen, you received many rights. Do you remember as well, right near the end of book of Acts, where he was being interrogated by the Jewish leaders, we're trying to get, and he said, I appeal to Caesar. Anybody remember that? And then they said, okay, they said to him, well, you've appealed to Caesar, so to Caesar you will go. 
That was a right of any Roman citizen. Any Roman citizen, if they were in a court case or they felt like they were being railroaded on something or being misjudged, they could say, I appeal to Caesar... And they would have all their expenses paid to travel to Rome to have a personal audience with Caesar to decide their case. And so these were some of the benefits of being part of Rome. Now some of you are sitting here thinking, okay, Pastor Brandon, this is an interesting biblical lesson. But what does this have to do with these ecclesias? Because the ecclesias were the Romans, uh, how would I say it? It was their vehicle for instituting what the kingdom of Rome could bring into that area. And what they do is they would raise up a group of citizens from that area. Some would be Roman who had come in, but some would be influential local citizens. They would raise them up into a form of a ruling council. And this ruling council's responsibility was to bring the justice, the culture, the the law, and the rule of Rome, and to see it manifested in that area. So catch this. We now go to Jesus, right? This gives you some context for what he's saying. We now go to Jesus, and what did Jesus come preaching? Remember a couple weeks ago? He came preaching a kingdom, didn't he? But he said, my kingdom is not of this world. I am bringing a heavenly kingdom. But a lot of people, this language would have had a picture of what Rome had done in the world. And understand Jesus is bringing a new kingdom. So Jesus is preaching the kingdom is coming. He's talking to people. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is also telling parables. Remember with all his parables, what he say? This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And so in this passage now, which is a moment of revelation... And interestingly enough, I don't want to go too far down this road. He actually was in Caesarea Philippi. And where he actually gave them this teaching was in the shadow of this huge cliff with open caves that was known as the gates of hell. And it was actually one of the centers of demonic worship in that area. So he took them to this area. And many people believe that it was actually an entrance to the underworld and an entrance to hell. So he is in the shadow of these cliffs and he's been preaching and teaching the kingdom and he says, I'm going to take you to a new level now because I'm going to tell you how I'm going to advance my kingdom. I am going to advance my kingdom by doing what? I'm going to build my church. Now, when we hear that, we think religious word. But he didn't say, I'm going to build my temple. And he didn't say, I'm going to build my synagogue. Those are the words they would have been used to. He said, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my called out ones. I'm going to start calling groups of people who are going to rise up in every area. They're going to be joined together in the name of Jesus. And their job is to see my kingdom come and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, I'm going to call them into cities. I'm going to call them into regions. I'm going to call them into nations. I'm going to call them into workplaces. I'm going to call them into school systems. And their job is to be salt and light, but to see my kingdom advance and see my kingdom come. That is what the ecclesia is. It's not a building. We may use a building, but we don't need a building to be the ecclesia, right? It's not a service. Yes, services are great, but if we think this is the totality of what we're doing, we're missing the whole point of the ecclesia. We are gathering here to be encouraged, to connect, to be equipped. Why? So we can go and do the work that he's called us to do. 
Come on, somebody say, we're an ecclesia. We're a governing body. And what's even more interesting, well, actually, see which way do I want to go with this? Uh, let me, just like, there's so much in this. He chose the word. Now, let me say this. I'll say several things about this. First and foremost, some thoughts on this word ecclesia. Number one, remember, it was not a religious word. So when we hear church, we just naturally think Christian faith, religion, where we gather. But for him, it was not a religious word at all. It was actually something new. And what it was, was it was a, 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 a tool of a kingdom to see that kingdom advance. And I love it too because the picture he's drawing, Rome wanted you to come in and they said, listen, if you join our empire, here's all the benefits you're going to receive. Here's how your life is going to improve. You're going to be part of something that is better. And there's so much an element of the kingdom. We have to catch this when you're advancing the kingdom. It's about loving people. It's about serving people. It's about showing people how life is different when Jesus is in that life. And it's showing how life is different when Jesus becomes your Lord and you join his kingdom. But that's part of our job is to demonstrate the life of the kingdom. So it wasn't a religious word. Secondly, what I want you to see is this word actually would have been offensive to many people. Do you know why it would have been offensive? Because they didn't like Rome. They didn't like the rule. I mean, Jesus, he had some guts to use this word. But if you follow the ministry of Jesus, he, he didn't care what people thought. If he was going to say it, he was going to say it. Right? He was, he was not intimidated by anybody. I'm, I'm wanting to grow in that because Jesus would call out the religious leaders. He'd talk to me. I mean, Jesus, you look at what some of Jesus said. Oh, I'd read that. I'd, Jesus, you sure you want to say it that way? They already want to kill you. What are you doing? You know, but he just had this boldness and he said, I only say what the Father's saying. Right? But this was actually an offensive word. But again, what was he doing? He was trying to draw a parallel. He said, I'm building a kingdom that is going to be greater than the rule of Rome. That's going to be greater than any kingdom that has ever come and has ever happened. And I'm going to build it through my church or through my ecclesias. And so we see the third thing I want to see, I love this. One of the foundational themes of Jesus' mission is the kingdom coming. He was going to build ecclesias. So it's interesting. I'm going to talk to you a second about apostles. But the word apostle, when Jesus anointed his disciples apostles, that wasn't a religious word either. He, he could have anointed them rabbis or, or, you know, uh, or scholars of the law or something. The word apostle actually was a, a, a nautical navy term. It was a military term. And it literally was akin to think of an admiral who would oversee invading forces that were going into new territory. So Jesus said, look, I'm bringing a kingdom. I am going to raise up ecclesias who are going to impact every part of culture and society with my love and my law. And they're going to be led by apostles who are bringing, not an invading force that's going to do things through force, but who's going to lead through love and going to serve through love. Why? Because the kingdoms of this world will ultimately become the kingdoms of my God. And I am going to rule and reign over all. Right? So, so like I said, I want to stretch you guys a little bit today. But this is what church is all about. So this... When you start to get this, it completely changes your perspective of what we're supposed to be about. Right? We're not just coming together to have a nice service and get a little bit of a spiritual pat on the back so we feel good. No, we are under a king named Jesus, and his kingdom is advancing throughout the world. And every time we gather, we are part of an ecclesia that is partnering with him to see what? His kingdom come and his will be done. 
You know, it's a, a couple verses. Let's look at a couple verses. This. The first one, I don't have this one referenced, so don't blame the team when it doesn't come up. This is my fault. But what did Jesus say? He said, whenever two or three of you gather together, I'm there with you. Didn't he say that? And also didn't he say, if two or three of you agree on anything as touching, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. Now again, some of the language he's using there was when the ecclesia would gather. When we have a board meeting here at Toronto City Church, we have to establish quorum. What quorum means is we have to have a certain number of members present for that meeting to be legitimate. Well, Jesus said, you are going to be part of my ecclesia, and if two or three of you come together, there's quorum. If two or three of you gather in prayer, there's a kingdom quorum to do what you need to do. If two or three of you gather in worship, there's a kingdom quorum to do some business for the kingdom and to advance the kingdom. See, one of the things is we, we, we sometimes despise small beginnings or we despise the two and threes, but Jesus said that's all you need for a kingdom quorum. So that means when we gather together today in worship, there is a kingdom quorum to see the kingdom advance. When Pastor Sharon stands up here to pray and says, let's pray for our nation, we're not just doing a nice religious activity to kind of fill the service and feel good. No, we're now going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to pray and decree what God wants to see happen. But the great news is it's not just us. This is a kingdom that's around the world. And it's all under the same king. And we are joined with millions of believers around the world who are working together in their sphere, in their nation, in their city to advance the kingdom of God. But see, what a part of what I want you to get to this is stretching your mindset because so many of us live on the level where it's just, I just go to church and I listen to Pastor Brendan preach a message and I go home and I try not to sin. And that's what I do. Right? It's like there's so much more that God has for you. You are called to be part of advancing his kingdom. But what I love about this when two or three gather, that's why you can't do the Lone Ranger Christianity. Because you can love Jesus on your own, but you can't have kingdom quorum on your own. You need to be gathered with other believers. And it's one of the reasons why the enemy wants to get people to give up on church. And I'm not saying church is perfect, and I'm not saying church. And I don't have a problem. You can have a house church. You can have a mega church. You can have an in-between church. You can have an outside-the-box church. Just are you coming together with other believers, inviting the presence of Jesus, and doing kingdom business? Right? That's the power. Let me read you a couple verses that talk about this. Matthew 6, 9 to 10. In this matter, they came to Jesus and said, how do we pray? Right? Now, some of us, she's, oh, isn't that nice? It's going to be a nice, sweet prayer from Jesus for my personal prayer time. Now, I'm not against your personal prayer time, but start seeing this through the eyes of Ecclesia. So he says, when you pray, he said this. He said, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, right? We immediately attach ourselves to our king. Hallowed be your name. We lift him up. And then what does he say to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, when you filter that through ecclesia, you wait, that's our job. Our job is to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in, in, in East York and, 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 and the GTA in Jesus' name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Canada in Jesus' name. You're in a school. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my school in Jesus' name. You're in, you're in a workplace. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, someone says, I don't know what his will looks like. But that's why you pray. Because you pray it and then you listen. And then God shows you what you need to do. 
That's why it's so powerful. Even that's why I love what's happening in our church where we have all church prayer first Friday of every month. We have prayer gathering. We have over 20 prayer meetings every week. People just connecting for 30 minutes on a conference call or through some other way, gathering together and praying. And they're praying and they're seeking God and they're coming after him. And they're saying, okay, let's seek his presence. Let's go after him. Don't worry, he's just loving my message. It's okay. All right, so he's just cheering me on here. So we're praying and we're seeking God and we're coming together. But see, a lot of times we look at these things, well, what difference is that going to make? If two or three come together in my name, Jesus says, I am there. And now even when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. There is things that get moved and advance and things that are going to happen. Come on, somebody say, your kingdom come. Furthermore, Matthew 28, 18 and 20, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And below, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So number one, he says, pray for the kingdom to come. But then he gives the great commission. He says, now you go into all the world and you take the gospel. You take the kingdom and you see my kingdom advance. This is part of the role of the ecclesia. Last but not least, Luke 19, 13. I didn't give these guys the right reference, so it'll be a little different on the screen than what I say here, different translation. But this is talking about, you know, the parable about the kingdom. We said this is what the kingdom's like. And a Lord called together his servants and he gave them, it talks in this translation, different, 10 pounds. And, what's he, and he called his 10 servants, he delivered them the 10 pounds and said to them, occupy till I come. Now I love this. This translation says do business till I come. But it's actually this occupying this doing business. See, Jesus came preaching a kingdom. He started it off. Then he left entrusting the work to his ecclesias and he said, you occupy territory, you see things advance, you see things grow until I come back. That is our job, guys. Our job is not to hide out in the church, hoping we don't sin. Jesus, send the rapture. Get us out of here. Take us home. No, our job is to understand we're part of a kingdom that is unshakable. We're part of a kingdom that's unstoppable. We are part of a kingdom that is ultimately going to take over everything at Jesus' returns. And our job is wherever we are to take that ground and to hold that ground for him. That is our job. That is our responsibility. Dr. Ed Silvoso talks about this. He said, when the ecclesia gathers, there's a spiritual quorum. And I love this. He said, here's what you do. You can invite the presence of Jesus. Because the presence of Jesus is what makes all the difference. This is not about how great you and I are. Right? By ourselves, we're really not much. But when we invite the presence of Jesus. And all it takes is two or three. We invite the presence of Jesus. Number two, we pray prayers of agreement with the Father. That's one of the reasons why I just keep saying, come on, guys, we got prayer opportunities. Grow in prayer. Go deeper in prayer. Let God do a work in your heart regarding prayer because it's one of the main ways that the ecclesia functions and legislates. And it's something the enemy cannot stop. But every time we pray, something happens. Every time we pray, kingdom business occurs. Every time we pray, God, and the enemy wants so hard to make say, well, it's just two or three of us. We're just getting together. You know, it's just a small group of us. What difference could we make? Listen, you plus Jesus makes a majority. And so we invite his presence. We pray prayers of agreement with the Father. We have the power in unity to bind evil and to release blessing. 
Right? That's, there's this power to hold back what the enemy wants to do and to release the blessing of God. Do you guys see how this is so much more than coming to church twice a month, listening to a nice message, throwing something in the offering basket, and then just going and living our life? Right? There's so much more that God has called us to. There's so much more that you're called to. You are called to be part of an ecclesia. Yo, it just stirs in my heart again this, this heart regarding purpose. So many people live with so little purpose in their life. And they just go through the motions, trying to make money, trying to make buy. Listen, if the highlight of your year is watching somebody else play a sport and win a championship, and that's the highest you ever go, I want to say to you, there's more. Now listen, I cheer our Raptors on. I was a little disappointed last night when the Leafs lost another game seven. And I'm praying for all Leafs fans. They sucked me in. I was, I was doing good. I'm a Raptors guy. I'm okay. But they sucked me in. And then we lost again. I had to go through all the emotions of it. And I, I, I'll have a prayer line afterwards for any Leafs fans because we all need prayer. But, but here's the point. So often we are reduced to cheering somebody else living their purpose out. And we never step into what God has for us. You are called to more. And again, I'm not against cheering for a sports team. But I want you, you got a race to run. You got a fight to fight. You got a purpose from God. And it's not just about winning a cup or a championship trophy. It's about eternal life and eternal matters in the kingdom. And you can step in that. You are called to more than just living off what this favorite movie star did or what the latest gossip is happening. Or, oh, great, you got a really good rating on that video game. That's the best you have. Amen. It's getting quiet in the church. But I want to call you higher. You're called to be part of this ecclesia. You're part to be part of bringing the kingdom of God. And wherever you are, find believers. If you get, find somebody, start praying, start agreeing together, and watch the kingdom begin to advance. That's why Jesus said, You're salt. So often we despise small beginnings, we despise small beginnings, and we despise the opportunities for twos and threes to gather together. But that's where Jesus said the work gets started. Have you ever had a beautiful meal and accidentally put too much salt on it? It changes the whole thing, doesn't it? It's like salt, even though it's small, completely flavors. That's why God said we're salt. Even when we're small, he said, even if you have a faith like a mustard seed, get that mustard seed in the ground and watch what it grows up to. Come on, somebody say, we're part of an ecclesia. And so part of what my heart is, even when we talk about legacy, is for us growing. And I'm going to start talking about some of these things more. But it's us growing in what God has for us as an ecclesia. And saying, okay, we want to be part of advancing the kingdom. We're, we, we'll move beyond just milk and, and start getting into some meat of what God has for us. And that's part of going deeper. But I want to bridge this for a few moments for about my last 10, 15 minutes here. And I want to talk to you a little bit because part of being ecclesia and part of what I believe the assignment in our church is to be what I'm going to call an apostolic center. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about what does it mean to be an apostolic center. Now, there's no way I will cover all of this, but I just want to start stirring our hearts regarding what does it look like to be a local church, to be an ecclesia that functions as an apostolic center. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. An apostolic center, first and foremost, it's, it's a group, it's a gathering of people that are united in the name of Jesus Number one, who are committed to advancing the kingdom and not just building a local church. 
Now, I don't say not just building a local church to demean the building of a local church. We want to be a great local church. We want to have great opportunities for family and growth, and we want to have great programs, and we want to do all these things, but we always have to remember that what we're building here is not just so we can have a nice church and a nice building and look, say to others, look at us, look at how great our church is. We are building this to be part of advancing the kingdom of God. What is happening here needs to affect out there. What's happening here needs to impact out there, deeper impact. What's happening in here needs to make a difference out there where we go. And so we need to have a kingdom mindset. How are we building? Now, a couple thoughts on this. Number one, that means for us, a win is when the kingdom moves forward, not just when we're doing good as a church. Now, I love doing good as a church. I want to do good as a church. Right? I want to do well. I want to make sure we hit budget. I want to have great services, great programs. I want to reach more people. I want to grow. I'm excited about all those things, but I always want to filter that through, though, are we advancing the kingdom? And I want to make sure that we have that perspective. This also means to me that we have a heart for unity. Why? Because if I'm seeing kingdom, I'm understanding it's not just about us. Like, we've got to have a heart for unity with the rest of the body of Christ. Why? Because we're all part of the same kingdom. They might do things a little differently. We do it. Their songs might be sung a little differently. The way they go about stuff might be different, but they're still part of the same kingdom. And together, we are advancing the kingdom of God. And so that we always have a heart for unity. Furthermore, we have to have a heart that if another church down the street wins, we win too. Amen. Right? Sometimes, now I know we all go amen, but you know, I know in my heart sometimes we can be jealous. Somebody else gets a breakthrough. We're like, how come we didn't get a breakthrough? What? Another church has revival. Just start exploding, seeing healing and miracles. We need to celebrate that and say, hey, why? Because the kingdom's going forward. In other words, if the kingdom wins, we win. But if the kingdom's not winning, no matter how good we feel like we're doing, we still have to have a heart that says, no, I want the kingdom to go forward. Everybody say kingdom mentality. Furthermore, it has an impact to say in this, there's a lot, I, I mean, I could do a message, whole series around this, but I'll just give you guys a little bit on it today. There's a heart for the kingdom. I'm saying the kingdom is designed to impact every sphere of society. So, so often we've fallen into the trap of just doing church, quote unquote, right? We do church, not ecclesia, just church. And, and it doesn't impact the business world. It doesn't impact the political world. It doesn't impact arts and entertainment. It doesn't impact, you know, science and all. But God has wisdom and insight. And, 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 and frankly, a lot of the problems we're seeing in different areas of our society right now is because the church hasn't been the church and hasn't gotten into culture and society with the love and the power of Jesus Christ. We've hid out in our buildings. And so part of what God says is have a kingdom mind. But that's where it gets exciting for all of us. Because you understand when you go to work or when you go into your school or where you go where you're going to your neighborhood, you are actually salt and light. You are part of advancing the kingdom where you are. But if you don't see it, you won't do it. So it's about seeing it, kingdom mindset. So we have a heart for advancing the kingdom. Come on, somebody say advance the kingdom. Secondly, when you're an apostolic center, you embrace and you see a functioning of the fivefold ministry gifts. Now, again, this will be new for some of you, but I want to stretch it. If you want to go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. 
And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 12 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. When we're an apostolic center, we understand that we need all five of these gifts that Jesus released when he ascended. We need apostles, we need prophets, we need evangelists, we need shepherd pastors, and we need teachers. Now, let me explain a little bit what each one of these gifts are. These are not for, there's gifts that God gives to certain individuals or different people, but there's apostles. And apostles are spiritual mothers and fathers. They pastor leaders. They help build. They're builders that help build things and advance things. Quite often, they're called into new territory, to new areas to really advance the kingdom of God. There's a certain element of, I'll call it, generalship on them, kind of motivating. They, they lead the church well into spiritual battle. That's what apostles do. Then you have prophets. Prophets are those who hear and see things in the spirit. They can function in different ways. But that's part of Pastor Sharon's teaching in school of the spirit. But prophets hear and they speak and they'll flow in different gifts of the spirit. And they're very good at hearing and bringing messages from God. Then you have evangelists. Evangelists are those who are gifted in sharing the gospel of Jesus with people. Now, all of us are called to reach people, but if you get around an evangelist, they've got this fire and this gift for it. I love hanging around evangelists. They're just so good at it. They're bold. They talk to people. They're really good at sharing their faith, and, they're, and we need evangelists. We need people who are always stirring the fires of reaching others. But then there's also pastors. Uh, Pastor shepherds. Now, a lot of times we see translation pastors. I like the English Standard Version where it uses the word shepherd because that's really what a pastor is all about. It's what the word means. And so pastors are there to care for the flock and to care for people and to see people get healed up from wounds and to see people loved and included in community. And then number five, there are teachers. And the job of the teacher is to make sure people are instructed in the word of God and they have sound doctrine in their life and they're growing in things. And so when you're an apostolic center, what your goal is, not every apostolic center will have all five like directly on staff or something, but you have a team of leaders that bring all of these elements to the table. Now, sometimes you may not have them there. You may be in relationship with an apostle, for example. But as an apostolic center, we want to embrace all these things. Now, what's great, furthermore, is not all of us are going to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or teachers, but all of us have a wiring in us that will often fall into one of these areas. So some of us are going to be very apostolic, and we're going to have a heart for advancing the kingdom, and what are we building, and how are we doing things. Some of us are going to be prophetic, and we're just really always, we're seeing things, and maybe you got visions, maybe you, you see spiritual, there's a whole lot of perfect. Some of us are evangelistic, and we just, we want to see people come to the Lord, and we just have this extra fire for evangelism. Some of us are pastor shepherds, and we just want to see people loved, and see people welcomed, and see people included. Some of us are teachers. We want to see people people know the scriptures. We want to see people know their Bibles. So all of us have some of this wiring in us. And then part of what the fivefold's job to do is actually to activate us and to help us grow in these things. A great example of this is just simple this. Everybody hold your hand up. Give me a five. High five. Right? So your thumb is the apostle. It touches every other finger. And it also, so because an apostle can walk and other things, and then it helps you to get a grip on things. And help you to bring structure and move things forward. Because you know if you don't have a thumb, you're going to have a really hard time working or moving things forward. The pointer finger is the evangelist. Or sorry, the prophet. Right? Prophets see. Prophets give direction. They point the way to go. 
Sometimes they point out sin, right? So we got that. Now I know the third finger. I say, what are you going to do with the middle finger, pastor? <laughs> right? Uh, the, uh, the third finger is the furthest reach, and this is the evangelist, because they have the heart to reach out to others. And I was thinking something else, but I'm going to leave that right now. <laughs> Let's just say they tell the devil where he can go. All right? So, right? And then you got the ring finger, right? Maybe we should cut that off the live stream. Well, that's already out there in the internet. All right. So I might get an email to you over that one. You got the ring finger, right? Where you, the, the love relationship reminds you of it's Jesus being wedded to his church and Jesus having that love and care for his church. And then last but not least, you have the last finger, the baby finger, but it brings balance. Why? Because we need teachers to bring balance. And we teach, see, so what we need is we need all of these functioning in what we're doing. We need the apostolic, but we need the prophetic, and we need the evangelist, and we need the pastor, uh, the pastor shepherd, and we need teachers. And what often churches do is they're strong in one or two, but they don't get the fullness, so they miss out. You know, you got a couple fingers, but you don't have the whole five-fold ministry. Or here's the other thing that happens. Sometimes, because we're wired, we end up fighting each other's. So evangelists say, we need to reach more people. How come we're not reaching more people? And then the pastor shepherds over here going, we're not even taking care of the people we have. And the evangelist is like, those people are going to hell, though. They'll be fine. Get over it. And the pastor, why are you so mean? You know, and then the teachers are over here going, nobody knows their Bible. How come nobody knows their Bible? Who, who knows their memory? What's going on here? Nobody knows their Bible. Right? And then the prophets are over here going, everybody's just in sin. I'm seeing so much sin right now. I'm seeing the sin. What's going on? We got all this stuff. But see, what we need to learn to do, let the evangelist be an evangelist. Bring the people in. The shepherd, pastor will minister to the people and then the teachers will teach them and the prophets will speak into the gold that's in their life and help them raise up and then the apostles will say okay let's mobilize and let's move the kingdom forward right somebody say we need all five but see, this should free some of you up because maybe you're really pastorally wired you just have the heart to love people then just be who you're called to be Right? And if you're an evangelist, don't get mad because everybody else isn't an evangelist like you're an evangelist. Lazy Christians, all these lazy people, they don't want to reach anybody. Well, maybe they're just wired a little different. Right? And then teachers, do your part and say, okay, I want to help people. See, but then you're free to be yourself, but we work together as the body of Christ. Come on, everybody say work together. So we have the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, shepherd, and the teacher. That's part of being a fivefold and to being an apostolic center. All right, just once come, I'm going to try and land this plane. Let me just say two or three things more, and then we're going to land. Number three, this ties into another uh, core value of an apostolic center is every member ministry. Somebody say every member ministry. In an apostolic center, we don't have the superstar Christians who stand on the stage and do everything while the rest of us cheer them on. We've got to understand we're all on the field. We're all in the game. I'm not the star player that everybody cheers on. I'm supposed to be the coach that is helping you to live out the kingdom wherever you go. That's the job. That's the point. Every member of mission. When I grew up, I would say, it's still like this a little bit. I remember I grew up, you know, someone talked about, have you been called to the ministry? And I'm not even trying to hate on that too much. It was the language we used. But usually that meant, are you called to work full-time in the church and go to Bible college and preach the gospel? And it was if you're a man. If you're a woman, you go to Bible school so you can marry a man who's preaching the gospel. 
I'll tell the truth. That's what it was. But I'm thankful for woman preachers. I'm thankful for ladies who can preach and lead and serve God. Come on, ladies. You're not helping me out enough here. We're thankful for that. Right? But it's every member has a ministry. Somebody tell your neighbor you're in the ministry. Now, most of you will never work for a church. I love you. I don't want to hire you. I don't want you all in here. You're supposed to be out there. Right? You're supposed to be out there making an impact in the world. That's what you're doing. And then what the prophet, and watch this, because sometimes we hear apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, shepherds, and teachers. It sounds like the all-star team, right? But you know what their job is? If you want to flip back to the script for me, go to verse 12 for me. See, Stephen's with me. He knows where I'm going on this. Their job is to do the work of the ministry, right? No, what does the Bible say? To equip the saints. In other words, the apostle is not just supposed to go doing apostle things. The apostle is supposed to equip the body to think and act apostolically. The prophet is supposed to equip the body to hear the voice of God and to speak the life of God. Evangelists are supposed to equip the body to reach souls. Pastor shepherds are supposed to equip the body to love and serve people. And teachers are supposed to equip people to understand the word, but also to teach the word. This is the heart that every person is in ministry. Every person has a role to play, whether you're praying, whether you're serving, whether you're Whatever you're doing, here or out there, you are impacting for the kingdom of God. Somebody say it again. Every member ministry. Let me say this real quick. I'll go, Justin, if you want to come back and join me, if you are still here. Number four, are about sending capacity, not just seating capacity. This is so important when you're an apostolic center. Here's the picture I got years ago. Someone had shared. Remember, it's, you become like an airport. People fly in. I'm not talking physically. I mean, here in Toronto, they could. But people come. People are equipped. People are trained. People are loved on. Some stay longer term. But then there's many that get back on and are released out to other cities and to other nations. Now, this is hard for the pastor shepherd side of me because the pastor shepherd side of me wants everybody to stay here forever. Right? It's kind of like, I, I remember, you know, my mom, she loves just having us around. She loves having the kids around. And one day she called me, she said, Brent, the house next door came for sale. You should move right next door to us. <laughs> right? And that's just, that's my mom's heart. She'd have everybody on the same street if she could. Am I telling the truth, mom? Or she'd buy a big house, put us all in the same house if she could. Right? And there's that, oh, well, I got a little bit of that because I don't want anybody to ever leave, ever. But if you're an apostolic center, you don't keep everybody for yourself. You actually bless and release people. You're open-handed. And we're going to plant churches in the future. Why? Because there's communities that need churches. There's nations that need churches. We're going to see impact, but it's, we're going to have to get good at coming, blessing, releasing. Some stay, some go. And then how about being in a city like Toronto, the most international, multicultural city in the entire world? What if God did a move here, a fresh move here in Toronto? And literally, there's nations you couldn't get into. But there's a student down on U of T campus right now who's come here to study, but they didn't know that God was really working through them to meet him. And they come in, and they meet Jesus. They get impacted, and their life gets transformed. And they can go back to a nation you can never get into. Right? Because why? That's how the kingdom works. And you say, yeah, but it's just one. It's just two, three. What difference does one or two or three make? Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise the truth. Because Jesus said, even if two or three of you get together in my name, I'm there with my authority, with my power, with my life. Trust, it's the new big is small. And it's the salt of the kingdom that gets sown. It's the seed. It's the mustard seed that starts small, but grows up over everything else. 
So we have this heart. And then I, I don't even have time to talk to you about spheres. But the kingdom, God wants to impact the business world. God wants to impact the entertainment world. God wants to impact the education world. God wants to impact all the worlds that are around us with the love. And it's not about taking over. It's about taking up a towel and washing people's feet and serving them in the name of Jesus. Right? It's about in your company. You start figuring out solutions to help everyone. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is just leading and guiding you. But you're not just there every week going, I hate my job. I hate being here. I don't even know why I'm doing here. It's a bunch of heathens around here. No, you're going in saying, I'm here to bring the kingdom. I'm here to bring light. Let me find some other believers. Let's start praying and let's start welcoming the presence of Jesus here. And let's see what God is going to do. So being an apostolic center is about advancing the kingdom. It's about embracing fivefold ministry gifts. I told you I was going to hit you guys a lot today. It's about every member ministry. It's about our sending capacity, not just our seeing capacity. And last but not least, it's recognizing the call to disciple people and disciple nations. If you look at the Great Commission, Matthew 28 talks about discipling nations. Mark 16 talks about going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every person. It talks about that. Both of those matter. And so number one, if I just can leave you with this thought as we're talking about going deeper. Guys, God's calling us deeper in discipleship. God's calling us deeper in being devoted followers of Jesus. I'm glad you're here. But I pray you're following Jesus every day. I pray you're in the word every day. I pray you're in prayer. I pray that you're, you're, you're listening. You're, you're, you're a disciplined follower of Jesus. Not that, but I pray that we would grow in this coming season is being disciples who make disciples. Because that's what he said. Right? And so it's disciple. But then there's this element of transforming nations and transforming cities. And guys, this is where we get beyond ourselves. But the gospel was meant to transform cities and nations. It was meant to disciple nations. And I know that can seem hard in a Canadian context where there's a very low percentage of born-again Christians, and many of us feel like there's not a lot of Christians around and what there is. But I want you to know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God has done it throughout history. God is doing it in nations of the world right now. And that we would stretch our faith for Toronto, that we would stretch our faith for Canada. Even when Toronto City Church was first born in 1988, Pastor Paul and Elaine came to Toronto, not just to buy a property and build a building. They came here to touch a city. They came here and said, we want to start something that's going to impact the nation. And guys, I want to encourage you that we would stretch our faith and we would say, God, we want to be part of an ecclesia that sees your kingdom come and your will be done in Toronto. That sees your kingdom come and your will be done in our nation of Canada. We want to be part of a move of your spirit that makes, that brings transformation. And even if it seems so far away, we're going to choose to believe you. And guys, I want to encourage you. There's so many historical examples. Give. Let me tell you one. In uh, secular historians, not Christians trying to make it sound nice. Secular historians have credited when there was the Methodist revival. John and Charles Wesley. It's where the whole Methodist church came out. There was the Methodist revival in England in the 1800s. And this revival literally shook not only the nation, but it shook the, the, the empire of Great Britain. Secular historians credit this revival with the abolishment of slavery. 
They also credit this revival with the abolishment of child labor law. Uh, excuse me, abolishment of child labor. All these laws, even right up to there was animal, uh, you know, animal cruelty, all these things, they never before didn't happen, but it was a move of God that not only touched and discipled lives, but literally changed a nation. And I want to encourage you, he can do it again. He can do it again. He can do it in Toronto. He can do it in Canada. But he's looking for his ecclesia to believe him and say, we're going to do our part. And I'm thankful, guys, it doesn't depend on us. We're just one church in Toronto in a community, but we're part of a kingdom. We are part of a movement of the Holy Spirit that literally goes around the world. So even today when we're praying, we are joining our heart with believers from all around the world who are crying out today. We are part of a kingdom, and our job is to find our place in that wall and to stand in that place together and to say, God, we want to be part of what you're doing. How many people are with me and say, I want to grow in this. I want to grow in this. I want us to grow in this. I want us to go deeper. So let's pray. We're right at my finish time. So let's pray. If you have a heart to grow in this, I just want you to hold your hands out before the Lord. We're going to bring this right now. Father, we come before you. And Lord, we thank you today for just this revelation of ecclesia. And God, even some of these thoughts about just growing as an apostolic center. Having a heart for our city. Having a heart for our nation. God, we don't have what it takes. But when two or three of us come together and we welcome the presence of Jesus, everything changes. Because Jesus, you have what it takes. And so I just thank you today for all of us who's here in person, for all of us who are joining us online, that even today, take us deeper, Lord. Take us deeper. Expand our vision. God, help us to stop living at such a low level and to recognize we're seated with you in heavenly places and that our prayers matter, our service matters, our, even those little things we do to serve you, to love on people, every act matters because we're part of a much larger kingdom. We're part of your story and we're part of what you're doing. So I just pray this special blessing over each one of us. Open our hearts, open our minds inspire us and give us fresh revelation today in Jesus name and just with head bowed and eyes closed I want to make sure before I close give an opportunity if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior Bible teaches us that God loves us with everlasting love but we've been separated from that love by sin all I'm talking about the, the doorway into this reality is receiving Jesus as your Lord coming into the kingdom and so if you're in this place you say I need to give my life to Jesus or you say, I need to give my life back to him. Maybe you're online, to you online, and you know you need to get right with God or give your life back to him. I want you just to raise your hand wherever you are. If there's anybody here today that says, I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to give my life back to him. Is anybody? Awesome. Well, Father, we just thank you today, God, for raising the evangelists in this house, for raising us all in evangelism. God, we want to see people come to you. Because your kingdom is not here or there. Your kingdom is within us. And every time somebody new comes to Jesus, the kingdom takes a step forward. And so we thank you for this, God. But I just bless this church family. I know I just took a fire hose out and blasted everybody today. But I thank you for helping us all just to grab this and grow and go forward together. We love you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And everyone who agreed with me said, Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody say, I'm part of a kingdom. Awesome.